Thank you for everyone being here. I'm, I'm so excited to be here. I'm so excited. As Evie said, I uh, was a worship leader for 20-something for years here at this church, Meadow New, Newbridge. And the Lord did. He came and showed me that he wanted me to step down from that and to do something different. And I said yes, not knowing what that was going to be like. But, you know, his plans for us are good. And I was thinking about uh, today just the goodness of the Lord, his kindness, his gentleness, his grace, his mercy. He's so good to us. He's so good to his girls. And I was thinking today, Lord, what do you want me to share? And I feel like that the Lord just kind of sandwiched me in on Friday night to just speak to the women in the room who are like me, who are just real girls loving Jesus. And as I listened to Lorna speak last night about everywhere she's been, and I thought, well, I've been to everything that like touches Georgia. I'm not a world traveler. I haven't written any books. I clearly don't have any painting friends. <laughs> and that's on y'all. <laughs> I just come who I am, and who I am is a girl who loves Jesus. And I love speaking to ladies. That's what I did for many, many years, one-on-one, just in my house. I love the daughters of God. We get each other. It's, you know, it's hard to to be a girl sometimes. For instance, when I was first spoke a couple of months ago here, well, it's been several months now, I realized that I could not wear my earring on this side because it, it went into the microphone. So I, I spoke that whole morning with wearing one earring, which is what I'm doing tonight. <laughs> I think I'm starting a new trend, I don't know. But then I thought, well, I won't wear the headset, I'll just use a handheld. And then I thought, but I'm not a girl who talks with my hand. I'm a girl who talks with my hands. And so I don't know if there's a third option out there, but um, I'm, I'm ready for it. You know, women, we need each other. I'm looking at so many faces in this room of women who I need, who have been there for me. Tammy, I didn't even know you were here last night. Tammy Owens, she is a premier jewelry girl. If you ever see me, the only thing other than my wedding ring that I wear in jewelry, I bought from that lady. (laughs) And here you are. There's so many there's so many ladies in here just unsung heroes in my life. And I'm grateful for all of you. I look out and I feel such love for you. I was asking the Lord for for weeks, God, give me a message, give me a message and what he kept doing was just giving me his heart for you. And his heart is that he is for you and that he loves you. I spoke here on Mother's Day, and I told about a dream that I had had, really a picture God gave me. Some of you will remember it if you were here. 
I had a picture, a dream that God gave me that I was walking down a beach. The ocean was over here on the right side and I was walking down this beach alone. I heard crying and I kept walking and I could tell I was getting closer to these cries. And then over here I saw to the left what looked like a mountain, but an opening, like a cave in the mountain. And when I walked in, I held up my hand and I had a torch in my hand so that I could see. And what I saw were ladies who were crying, who were bound. They had chains on their wrists. They had chains on their ankles. And I began to declare the word of the Lord over them and chains started falling off. And so on Mother's Day, I gave this word and the word was encouraging, but it didn't really have what I saw in that dream. I thought, Lord, why did you give this to me? When did you want to give me this? When is this going to happen? Fast forward two months in July, Lorna, the creator and president of Oasis Ministries, goes and meets with my husband, Jeff, and says, we're bringing our ministry back here to America, and I want Amy to speak at it. Now, on Mother's Day, Lorna was serving in the Philippines, did not know I was serving here, speaking here, had not listened to the message. She tells Jeff, I want her to speak because God gave me a dream that I was in a cave. And Lorna said, I saw myself in the cave, but I was a little girl, but I recognized it was me. And she said, in that dream, your wife walked in and started declaring the word of the Lord and we were set free. So I want you to know I'm coming tonight with a holy tremble because this is not another night at a ladies' conference. This is a divine invitation from God Almighty. He is in the room. The deliverer is in the room tonight. And he is coming for us. He is coming for his girls. Yes, Lord. When I spoke about having that vision in the cave, I saw myself, and, I, and I've spoke about this since, that I was declaring identity over the ladies. The Lord showed me they need to know who they are. When I started praying about this message, the Lord showed me, I want you to go speak about identity. I thought, well, I just did that. He said, no, I want you to go talk about identity, but I want you to go tell them who I am. Because see, we can speak over ourselves all day long that we are good or that we are accepted. These are true things that we are lovely, but if you don't know who is saying those things, it doesn't mean anything. 
So I feel like, you know those movies? We're girls, we love these movies. Princess movies. (laughs) I love princess movies. And there'll be a king and he will want to get a message to the village. So he'll find a herald to go tell this message to the village and those people in that movie know the king is not coming into the village to give you this message, but he is sending an ambassador. And I want you to know I am the ambassador tonight that I don't come in my own authority to tell you this. I am coming with the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ to speak over you. And it it is because of his authority that these things are true in your life. God gave me the verse, 2 Peter 3, 18. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. And what spoke out to me was grow in the grace but and the knowledge. Which means we may have known the Lord for many, many years, but there is always something else to learn about him. We need a revelation of who he is in order to know who we are because we are a reflection of him and we are made in his image. We need to know that he is all good, he is all loving, and that he is all powerful. And he's all those things. If he were only all powerful, we would still need help. In fact, other religions are built on that. They, they serve a God who they think is all powerful, but he's not all loving and they are terrified of him. If we served a God who was only all loving, but not all powerful, we would think that we had to make things happen for ourselves. I call this preaching gospel to myself. I get up every morning and think, Lord, I need to preach gospel to myself. It's not enough for me to know who I am. I have to know who you are and who you say that I am. Because, you know, knowing him is what will get you through the hard times. I've shared some of my testimony, and I felt like I was supposed to share a little bit of it again tonight. I was raised in a Christian home and I became a Christian at the age of seven. The Lord was so good to me. He gave me the best mom on the planet. She taught me who God was. She loved him. She sang about him. She prayed to him in front of me. She prayed for me in front of me. I'd wake up some nights and she'd be beside my bed calling on God in prayer for me. She loved the Lord. She was my best friend, my very best friend. Jeff and I got married. We had our kids. Life was good. He was a pastor. I was a pastor's wife. I was singing. We were serving the Lord. 
I was a girl who loved to exercise. I loved going to kickboxing classes. I loved doing aerobics. I loved walking miles and miles every day. And from all outward appearances, I would have said that at 36, I, I was living a really, really good life. I had a husband who loved me. I had children that I adored and they had the best grandmother on the planet. And June 16th of 2011 came, my husband's birthday. And my mom and I got in my car to go get a birthday cake, some food, and she wanted to get Jeff a birthday card. So we, we took off to Kroger, her and I, me driving. We got everything we needed for this birthday party with full anticipation of coming home and enjoying a nice family dinner, birthday, celebrate with my husband, celebrate my husband with my family. We left the Kroger parking lot, we got in my car, started driving on Brazelton Highway, I was less than two miles from my house. And as I'm driving, going speed limit, laughing with my mom, I don't remember what we were laughing about, but we, it was very funny. We were laughing, we were enjoying ourselves. In a split second, the car on this side of the road came in my lane, hit us head on. The car spun, and I was unconscious for a few minutes. When I came back to consciousness, I was in intense pain. What I did not know was that every one of my ribs had been broken. My sternum was cracked, my ankle was crushed, my leg was crushed, my wrist was crushed, my elbow was crushed, and these two fingers were crushed, and other things were broken. And when I looked down, I saw my mom laying in my lap. Her seatbelt had defected, and she was laying on me. And I could tell by looking at her, she was not gonna make it. I could not move because of everything that was broken inside of me. And I did the only thing I need to do. Jesus. Jesus. Where are you? They were able to get my mom out of the car. I was unconscious during that time. It was the Lord's mercy. It was his mercy that didn't let me see that. And I'm grateful for that. When I came to, she was gone, but I was still in there. I was trapped inside the car for several hours. It was a day like today, 100 degrees. It was hot. 
I was in pain. I had been through two natural childbirths. This made that look like nothing as far as pain. I was taken to Atlanta Medical Center where they began to tell me, you're probably gonna lose your leg. You're not gonna be able to walk again. Your life changes from this point forward. And as soon as we get you stable, we're gonna put you in a surgery that will approximately last 18 hours while we try to, to repair broken bone and there's nothing we can do for crushed bone. When it's crushed, it's like dynamite goes off in your body. It goes into 100 pieces. There is no putting it back together. You have to put metal in those places. So they begin that. So for the next month, I'm at Atlanta Medical. I'm worried about my children at home. I know my mother is in a different hospital fighting for her life. She never did regain consciousness from the accident. And I laid in that hospital bed, unable to move for a month. I couldn't pick up my Bible. I had no hands or fingers or arms to reach for them. My phone would ring and I would look at it. It would be just as close as this is, but I could not get to it. It was suffocating to lay there and not be able to move. Why am I telling you all this? Because Jesus met me in the hospital room. The Lord does not have to obey no visiting rules. I laid there and he met me day after day, night after night, he would come and he would love on his girl. And I want you to know that nothing that I knew about me would have helped me in that moment. The only thing that got me through was what I knew about him. And what did I know? I knew that he was all loving and that he was all powerful and that he was all good. And I would preach that to myself over and over and over again. Roy Giese says it this way, too many people are putting the goodness of God on trial in the courtroom of their own experiences. Because, and I have done this too, so this isn't an indictment, but I read, I read on Facebook sometimes. We were almost in a car accident. At the last minute, the Lord let us leave over here. God is good. Let me tell you my Facebook post. I was in the car accident. My mama passed away. I had metal pit in three of my four limbs, and I would spend most of the next year in a wheelchair with my husband taking care of me, my children taking care of me. I would be in constant pain, and God is good. He was still good. 
God is good when our experience doesn't back that up. God is good when the healing doesn't happen. Some of you praise your way in the midst of pain, and it is the most beautiful worship to God. Because you worship even when your your joy doesn't replace your grief, it comes along beside it. It's the rejoicing, but yet suffering. And that you can do both. It's why we need to know him. Because he is good, even on the day that it doesn't look like he's been very good to me. He's good when he's good to the person that you don't really like right now. He just might be showing his goodness to them that day. He's always good. And it's why we must know who he is to get a proper view of ourselves. When we open the word, when we open the word of God, we don't go in there to find ourselves. We go in there to find God. Why? Because if you find him, you will inevitably find you. It's why our songs should primarily be about God. We need to be exalting him. Because remembering who he is is what gets us through the hardest times of our lives. You know, the enemy has not changed tactics. He hasn't. You know, Eve, woman, is called the crown of creation. When he came to her in the garden, he didn't come and attack her character. He came and attacked God's character. He came and distorted what God had said. He doesn't care what we say over ourselves if we don't know who ultimately says it. He came and attacked God. Why? Because if God is not who he says he is, then we're not who he says we are. He won't even have to go for you if he can get you to doubt God. He did not need Eve to blaspheme. He needed Eve to distrust. He came and wanted to convince her that something outside of the will of God was what would satisfy her. He wanted to convince her that God was holding out on her. And that caused her to distrust. And another thing I noticed is that, you see, when when God gave the command about that tree, Eve wasn't there. He gave that command to Adam. 
Adam, Eve received it secondhand. And I'll tell you, one of the ways that he gets us is that we know what somebody else said that God said. We know what someone else said who God is, and we need to hear it for ourselves. We need to hear God come to us and tell us who we are. And we need God to come and reveal himself and tell us who he is. And I have, I have good news tonight. He wants to reveal himself to us tonight. He wants to come and show us who he is. He, he uses the same tax, tactics with us girls. He does. He wanted Eve to distrust. He did not want her to know who he really is. How does he do it with us? Through the culture. We will adopt the mindset of the culture and ascribe it to God and not even realize we've done it. One example of this is what is your first answer when I say, does God value beauty? Most of us would initially say yes. That is not what the scripture says. It says charm is deceitful and beauty is vain. That's what the Bible says. The culture has elevated beauty as being of something of value. The Bible will talk about a beautiful woman the way it will say that Zacchaeus was short or that Esau was red. It's a fact. It's not a compliment. And it's definitely not something that he holds in high esteem. He just doesn't. It's said as fact. So you know what they look like. But let me tell you how this works in our lives. If your first inclination, my first inclination is to think that, yes, that God does value beauty. And we don't even realize the enemy has come and woven that in our heads because he has lied to us because the culture values beauty. Then if you go in front of the mirror and you don't find yourself beautiful, you'll blame God and think he held out on you. What about, um, do we believe that God's sign of favor on a man is his wealth? I know y'all are looking at me like, we don't know, we're afraid to answer. (laughs) Our first inclination because of our culture is of course, it's his favor. If that is the case, then Nicodemus walked in God's favor and Jesus didn't. Because Jesus was poor. Do you see that? How the way he went after Eve is the way that he goes after us. It's subtle. We don't even realize that we are buying into the lie of the enemy. And in doing so, we don't know who we are and we distrust God. 
We, we would look at this as a story if we were just reading it with the culture in mind and we would applaud Nicodemus and we would send Jesus to a Dave Ramsey class. sign the Lord up for a conference (laughs) because surely if he was walking in the divine favor of the Lord by 33 he would have had a home and a bed and clothes lots of them and lots of sandals I'm exposing some of the lies of the enemy. It's funny because it's true. That's why it's funny. (laughs) Yeah, it's a lie of the enemy. That's why if you even barely listen to the news, if you just listen to other people's conversations, you don't understand that you are being influenced by the culture and five minutes in your devotional is not gonna counteract that. You have got to get before the Lord and let him show you who he is and show you what he values. Thank you. I know, even when, I promise you, I mean, the Lord was giving me this before I'm giving it to y'all. So I'm like, Lord, I know you. I've known you for a long time. And he showed me this. Amy, if you get up, or if any of these girls get up, and they know that I call them lovely, accepted, worthy, beautiful and if you know that but you don't feel that way and you go about your day feeling unworthy and unloved and not beautiful I know y'all are going to love me after I say this it is because you have forgotten who he is And why do I say that? Because if he says these things, but you believe those things, you have magnified your own opinion over his word. And me too. And if I can go about the day having magnified my opinion, my word over what he said, then I have forgotten who he said he was. Because his word is the final authority on, in every situation and in every circumstance. That is why we must know him. We must see him. And that will never happen on accident. Because the enemy will distort that 10 times out of 10. If we are made in his image and we are a reflection of him 
and we don't know him, we will never know who we really are. I believe that the Lord has callings and destinies that he wants us to get a hold of. But guess what? Callings come from identity and identity comes from knowing him. So what happens is we start working at it backwards. We just want to know what he wants us to do. And he says, no, I want to tell you who you are. I want to tell you who I am. Because from identity comes calling. If you can find out who he is, you will find out who you are. And as you are abiding, you will just be going about doing the Father's will, the Father's business. He'll be doing the heavy lifting. He wants to disguise the Lord. The enemy knows you will not suffer for a God you don't trust. You won't and I won't. We will not suffer for a God we don't trust. And if we don't know him, we will not trust him because the enemy will come and say over and over, did he really say? Did he really say? Did he really say that you were called? Did he really say your time is now? Did he really call you beautiful? Did he really say you could come out of that cave? And if we don't know that his word is the final authority, we won't walk in our calling. He is calling out women. There's a move in the spirit right now over God's daughters, and it is significant. It is significant. God is moving amongst his daughters. And I want you to know that every time he does, the enemy will come and offer a counterfeit. What do I mean by that? He'll also start bringing about women and letting them come to the surface. We'll see it in secular places. We'll probably see it in the political area. Thank the Lord for our own Noemi Vasquez. We need women like that in politics. But you will see that he'll start also elevating women. And the difference will be is that those women will not know who God is and they won't know who they are. And we will see them rise because they will be self-made women. And they will be women whose sword is in their mouth. They will come with sharp words. They will come with boldness. We, as God's girls, will be markedly different. Why? Because when we get reacquainted with him and that he is all loving, he's for us. We can rest in his love. We also remind ourselves that he is all-powerful. 
And guess what? If he's all powerful, then you don't have to open your own doors. In the world, we're going to see women who are banging doors of opportunity open. And if we're not careful in the church, we will think we have to do the same thing. You see, this is where this distrust comes from, because if we can't trust that God is powerful and that he uses that power for our benefit, we will go make things happen for ourselves. When you trust the Lord, it's like being on a permanent vacation. It's like, Lord, I'm just abiding in you. You're going to open the doors you want open. You're going to close the doors you want shut. And nobody's going to be able to do anything about it. I'm going to rest in that today. (laughs) I'm debating on whether I want to give this illustration, but I think I do. When we trust that God is for us, that he uses his power on our behalf, it brings such rest and confidence in us. I'm going to tell my illustration in a minute. Make sure the Lord wants me to. (laughs) We need to know him. We need to know him through his word we need to sing about him. It's, it's so interesting to me over the many years of being in ministry that we can invite an older saint into the church and he may have a hard time remembering details. He or she may have a hard time remembering scripture, but they will remember lyrics to songs. And that is why our songs need to be Christ-exalting. I love songs that talk about our benefit of the Lord. But again, sometimes those songs don't line up with the experience you're living that day. And you can't sing it with all of your heart. But if it's about Jesus, every one of us can join in song. The way out of that cave into our calling, first of all, is to know him. Because the shackles on us our shame and guilt. And those come off at the name of Jesus. Jesus wants us to come out of that cave. We'll do it by knowing him. We'll do it by knowing ourselves because we'll know what he says about us. That is pivotal. He not only wants us to come out of the cave, he does want to elevate his bride. Our dear sister Naomi, she did a remarkable job last night. I will be chewing on that message for a long time. As she was teaching, I thought, oh man, I wrote a lot of this down too. Because our elevation does come by going low. It just does. The Lord gave me a a picture when I was praying about it this day, today. 
and he showed me that some of us are standing on, standing at these doors that we're knocking, that we want to open doors of opportunity, doors of influence. And what he showed me in the picture, it's like those half doors. You know the doors like downstairs in the nursery where you can open the top so you can look out but the, the kids are stuck? They're trapped. What he showed me is we're standing at those doors, but the part that he's opened is the bottom part. And in order to get through that door, we're going to have to get down and go through low. It says to come like a little child. It actually says to humble yourselves like a little child. There are doors that are already open and we don't even see them because they don't look like what we think they're they're supposed to look like. You won't go low for a God you don't trust. We have to humble ourselves. Evie mentioned it earlier that I worship led for, I mean, really over 30 years, but 20 years here. The Lord began to speak to me. He said, I want you to lay that ministry down. I've taken some things and you have persevered with joy, but now I want to test you in the area of you laying it down, you laying something down. And I'll be honest, I wrestled with it. I loved that ministry. It was how I connected with the Lord. It was the one thing that I felt like the accident hadn't taken away was my voice. That I could still sing. I fought so hard. I would come up here and sing in my wheelchair for a year. I thought, I can't, I can't believe you're asking me. Are you really asking me to do this? And he came with boldness and he said, I'm asking you to pass the baton to a younger generation because it's the right thing to do. I said, okay, Lord. I cried about it. I was brokenhearted about it. But I did it because I knew it was right. And I thought, I will come behind. I'm going to pass this baton. I'm going to give up my spot on stage. And I'm going to come behind and I'm going to encourage and cheerlead the people who will take my place. And only by the grace of God will I be able to do this. He gave the strength to do it. It was a year ago last Sunday that I sang for the last time on the stage. Why do I say all that? Because in my mind, I thought I'd never be back up on, on the stage. The Lord had different plans, but it took me humbling myself and giving something up 
for him to come and open a different door for me. Because you see, our obedience opens the portals of heaven for his assistance. I remember telling the Lord, I have for 15 years gotten with you every Tuesday morning. My husband knows. Tuesday mornings, I would get with the Lord in my den, ask him, what do you want me to sing? What songs do you want us to do? What order do you want them in? And I would meet with the Lord on those Tuesday mornings to discuss music, and I love that intimacy with him. And that first Tuesday morning, that there was no service to plan. Someone else was doing that. There was no song to listen to. Someone else was going to sing it. I went in my den and I thought, I'm going to think of every face on that stage and I'm going to pray for them and bless them. And guess what? God came closer than he ever had. I just thought he was close planning a service. He was so much closer when I was praying for the people who would replace me. He said, I love this. I'm going to cuddle up with you today. (laughs) Doors open when we humble ourselves. I also want to say that most of us are looking for an open door and there are already open doors for us. They may just look a little different than what we think. What do I mean by that? God has given so many of us a voice, a word, and we, we receive from him and then we wait on the platform to, to speak it. And we forget that almost every Sunday, they are begging for volunteers to work downstairs. That's already an open door. There are ladies in our life that need to hear from us. That's already an open door. Most of my closest relationships have not come from the women who have poured into me. They have come from the women that I decided to go pour into. Because you see, what I have learned is a word is like manna. That if he gives it and we don't release it, it almost goes bad. Because when he gives it and we release it into the door of opportunity that's already open, then he keeps filling that emptying vessel. He doesn't keep filling filled vessels that are waiting on a platform to speak. He fills vessels that are always being emptied for his glory and whatever avenue he puts in front of us. We were Baptist. There was absolutely no way that this was this platform. Poor Alicia down here was the sole recipient of all my messages for years. But you know what? If you have a little one in the house, you have an open door. 
you have someone to pour into. If you have grandchildren, if you have friends, there is somewhere for God to use you. It's all him, it's all grace. And the last thing that I want to say is that I am aware that there is an attempt to silence the voice of women from the voice of the enemy. It is a spirit of religion. It's true. It is true. (laughs) That we're going to get out of this cave. How are we going to get out of this cave? We're going to get out of this cave by knowing who we are because we know who he is. We're going to recognize that he has the authority over what he says about us, and we're going to choose to believe him because his word is higher than ours. And we're going to preach that, our, that to ourselves every morning until we believe it. Aren't we? Yes. Yes. We're going to walk through the doors that he's already opened. We're going to go low. We're going to go low, and he's going to open doors. We're going to go lower, and he's going to open more doors. He's going to elevate as we go low. You try to elevate yourself, he'll bring you down. In his grace and in his love, he will. He'll humble us. I'm speaking from experience. That's how we're going to get out of this cave. But there is a spiritual element And I would be foolish to think otherwise. The enemy hates women. We're made in God's image, and he hates God's image. Our obedience gives assistance. It invites God to go to war for us. It invites angels to come and war on our behalf. Obedience does that. Going low does that. God will fight this battle for you if you'll go low. He will. There is an ugly spirit of religion. I am going to give my example, my illustration. Thanks. The first time that I was going to speak, I I could not believe the resistance that came from people, from the enemy. I was, quite frankly, not prepared for it. On Twitter, there was a group of men that went out an all-out war on Beth Moore for speaking the word of God. It was an all-out war, and by the way, these, these were our brothers. These were our brothers operating in a spirit of religion. This was not the lost world mad at her for preaching Christ. This is the spirit of religion that God is going to bring down. And 
and the lie of the enemy is that you have to make this happen for yourselves and that you have to assert yourself and that you have to be bold. And as we're doing that, the angels just sit idle. It is through our obedience that they are activated to go do a battle that we can't win on our own. But by the way, the enemy is defeated. He is defeated. See, the other lie of the enemy is that he wants to convince us that he and God are at war. Guess what? The enemy in scripture battled against Michael, the archangel. You know why? They are both created beings. There is no battle between Satan and God. God wins. If you are sitting on the edge of your chair to see who's going to win the battle between the evil one and God, then you've forgotten who God is. You have bought into the lie of the culture because that's not even a war. He is going to speak and he will fall. And he is going to speak and the spirit of religion is going to fall. When that battle was going on on Twitter, I just sat there and watched it in dismay. But you know what I finally did? I pulled it up on on my iPad. And I watched it over here on my left. I popped some popcorn. (laughs) But I'm just going to watch these men go after her and go after people like me. And I'm going to do it on my iPad. You know why? Because I'm going to keep my phone in my right hand so I can keep clicking yes to speaking engagements. That's what I'm going to do. Because the spirit of religion will bark all day. But it is God's authority and his word that opens doors. And he opens doors that no man can shut. And I'm here to declare that I will walk through them and I want you walking through them with me. Jesus. The battle can rage, that's fine. We're going on the authority of the word of God. The only way you can go into his authority is know what he said. To know what he said, you have to know him. To know him, he will reveal you. When you find out who you are, he'll issue your calling. When you find out your calling, he'll give you the grace to walk through any door that he opens. You'll do it with boldness. You will do it with courage. You will do it with me cheering you on. So yes, there, there is a battle. It is the spirit of religion and God is going to fight it. But I want to say also that he also will use godly men to help fight that battle on our behalf. You see, the the enemy wants to convince us that we have ground we need to go take. No, we have a savior to go abide in and we will follow him while he takes the ground. He'll do all of it for his girls. He'll do the heavy lifting, but he will also use 
godly men because there are men, there are women in this room who have been hurt by men. Even in the church, well-meaning men operating in the spirit of religion have silenced some of us, have made us feel like we're doing something wrong when we speak. And so he will use godly men to fight that battle for us. And I have the privilege of inviting one of those godly men up to the stage, Billy Humphrey. just say, I've said this to you privately, I'll say it publicly. Other than my husband, no one has championed me more than Billy Humphrey. He has given a gentle nudge to go through those doors. And I needed it. And God knew that I needed it. A lot, there has been hurt by men, and a lot of times God will use someone that looks like who hurt us to come and help us. And that's why it's such a God moment that we have a man here to bless us, to encourage us. We as women, we need to hear it. We need to hear it from you. Well, you just, you just preached the word of the Lord. <laughs> that was about five good messages. I t- I took all those notes, but I, I want you just to stay here. I, I'm not going to, you know what? There, there's nothing I can say to get to, to do anything more than what that just was. That was a word from heaven. You heard that, right? That was a word from heaven. But I want to tell you something. Amy Lyle is my friend. This is my friend. And, and she's my wife's friend. And Jeff Lyle is my friend. And we pray together every week in my office, and the Lord encounters us, and we've learned and known, come to know each other's hearts. But this is something that's a, a burden of mine, that my friend, I'm going to tell a little bit on you, okay, that my friend came up in a, in a religious tradition that told her while she was on church property she had to wear a skirt, and that her parsonage that happened to be on church property was no exception. And so that when it was time to clean the house and clean the bathroom, that my friend had to wear the skirt while she's scrubbing the floor and while she's vacuuming and while she's cooking. This is my friend. And the truth of the matter is she called it out, but that is a demonic spirit that has infiltrated the church. And here we are in the buckle of the Bible belt, but we have no problem poking the devil right in the eye. Because 
His foolishness is ending in this generation. It's ending in this generation. And this is what I want to tell you. I mean, I honor and value Beth more. I follow her on Twitter. I preach some of her messages. <laughs> but what you just heard was as good as any Beth Moore I've ever heard in my life. All right, and I'm not trying to puff you up. I'm trying to make a point. But here's the thing that's so clear to me. My friend has always been called to be a preacher. She's always been called to be a prophetic messenger. But until this year, she never preached a message in church because of that subjugating, silencing, smothering, suffocating spirit of religion that held her down. And I'm just going to say this. She's calling y'all out of the cave, but I'm right there with you, taking out the spirit of religion so you guys can run free. And that's how Jeff and I are. That's how our leadership team is. But so many of you women come from other places, and I just want to tell you something. There is a, there is a freedom movement where God is breaking the back of the spirit of religion, and he is going to set you free. So tonight, I knew by praying, just you know, through prayer, I said, I said, Lord, what do you want to do? Because I don't know how we're going to tag team, but I knew I needed to come stand with my friend. We had already planned this, the schedule, and we had already had the whole thing set up. And I, I reached out to Jeff. I said, hey, dude, I think I'm supposed to speak or something. I don't know. I've, I've never spoken at a women's conference, but man... They'll have me. I, I think I'm supposed to pray about it. And everybody prayed about it. And everybody said, yeah, you're supposed to be up there. So, okay, I don't know what I'm doing. And so we just said, we'll tag team. And Amy goes, I'm so glad we get to tag team in her little Amy way. And uh, I just started praying. I said, what, what's going to happen? And I felt like the Lord said there's deliverance in the room tonight. That there would be deliverance in the room tonight. Like real deliverance. Like you came in here choked. You came in here held down. You came in here wounded with stuff, oppression, demonic things hanging on you. And the Lord is going to break them off of you tonight. I believe that's what's happening in the room. I believe that's why the touch was on the worship and the way it was. Fall away guilt, fall away shame, fall away fear, fall away pain, fall away lies. That was a prophetic word that the Lord was setting us into a moment of deliverance. And I want to just say this, and this is not to puff up my friend, but this is something special. I've, I've seen things this year that I've never seen before in ministry. I've seen people turn literally into prophets overnight by the, by the activity of the Holy Spirit. And I've seen my friend turn into a prophetic preacher literally overnight, literally overnight. And here's the thing. It's the activity of the Holy Spirit. It's what God's doing. But it was always in her. And among our leadership team, we joke around. We just go, well, we, we all know Amy's got the most authority among us. <laughs> so I'm always trying to get her to speak up because she's got the word of the Lord. And all of us men are like, just please tell us what to do. Please tell us what God's saying. <laughs> it's true. 
She won't admit it, but it is. But what you don't realize is this is, this is what God does. When he raises up messengers, he not only puts a message inside them for them to speak, he makes them the message. The messenger is the message. You heard a word tonight, but you saw a message. Okay? And here's what I want to tell you. Your momentary light affliction is working for you a far more eternal and exceeding weight of glory. That was the verse that I had coming to my, I didn't know what she was going to share. I know her testimony. I hope she'd share it. But as soon as she started sharing that testimony, I knew it. And that's the word of the Lord. Your momentary light affliction is working for you. A far more eternal and exceeding weight of glory while we don't look at the things which are seen, but we look at the unseen. And he changes us in that from glory to glory. Here's what I want to tell you. Suffering qualifies you and suffering escalates you in the kingdom. It authorizes you. It authorizes you. Jesus was made perfect through the things he suffered. The one who bought our salvation through suffering became the one that leads us all out of hell and into heaven. He's the only one who has the authority because he's the only one that suffered. In the kingdom, suffering works for our blessing and our benefit. I know that's not an American gospel, but it's Bible. It's working for you. And what you're seeing right now is a woman who went through hell. I haven't gone through anything close to what you've gone through. But I'm telling you, when she says Jesus, when she says his name, there is such a spark in her eye. And we'll just look at each other and we'll just go, I just love him. And she goes, I just love him too. And I go, I, no, I love God. She's like, I just love him, you know. And there is there's such a spark in her. And there's no offense in her. There's no anger in her. There's no entitlement. Because through the breaking, it was God making her. And so some of you, it's like what she said, you've been mistreated. You've been mistreated because you're a woman. You've been mistreated by a male-led society and a male-led church. And some of you have been, you've been really the object of misogyny. You've been the object of demonic things that men have perpetrated against you in church, out of church. But I want to I want to encourage you. I mean, Naomi did it last night. There was a word from the Lord last night. These two women speaking the word of the Lord. I want to encourage you something. Don't waste your suffering. Don't waste it. The suffering. God uses it to elevate you. He uses it to authorize you. He uses it to qualify you. 
God wants to raise up an army of women who are going to declare the word of the Lord, that are going to teach the Bible in ways that we have yet to see, yet to hear. The devil is freaking out right now. I'll tell you why. Because we've benched half of our leaders, half of our teachers, half of our preachers, apostles and prophets and evangelists. We've benched them because they're women. And guess what? You're all coming off the bench. And the enemy is freaking out right now. You watch it. That spirit of religion is going to go way more haywire real soon. I mean, in public, just watch it. And at the same time, we are going to break its back. We are going to shut it up. And the word of the Lord is going to run. I just want to get this on the record. The greatest revival the world has seen in the last, you know, 50 years is China, predominantly led by women. I've been there. I've met the leaders. It's just true. All the men got arrested. Now they were all in jail. All the men were in jail, and all the women were leading the house churches. Yeah. The greatest revival in the last 50 years is China, and it was all led by prim primarily women. And the greatest revival on the earth right now, it's Iran. And guess who is leading that one? All the women. Because, you know, they got all their... Muslim garb on, but then when they go and they all get the girls around, they're all they all dressed up in Nike and all their little workout clothes, and they and the men can't come in there, and they're getting born again and they're getting saved and delivered and they have secret house churches and it's all women leading the thing. I'm telling you, the devil is about to lose his mind because you're coming out of the cave tonight, you're coming off the bench tonight. And so let's just stand. Let's get the worship team to come. Can you stay with me? She says, I need you to come and do the ministry time. I don't know how to do those yet. <laughs> You're doing just fine. Every time you preach, my heart begins to tremble inside of me. I feel the winds of God blowing on me. You're a powerful preacher of the gospel. I, I love sitting under your ministry. And you're a gift in my life. And I love receiving from you, Amy. I'm not saying that because we're at the conference. I mean it. Don't stop preaching, girl. Don't stop. Well, I just believe the Lord's releasing deliverance in here tonight. I don't know what your wound is. I don't know what your pain is. I don't know what you've suffered through. I don't. And, and, and honestly, I, I, I can't even understand the difficulty of what it means to be subjugated because of your gender. I, I, I don't even understand that. But I do know this. God, he had a dream. And his dream was you. He didn't make a mistake with you. He made you exactly like he wanted to make you. 
because in God is male and female. The expression of the image of God had to be through male and female because he's like this and he's like this. And women, I'm telling you, you're co-heirs with Christ, you're equal expressions of the image of God, you're equally called, you're equally anointed, you're equally blessed with the gifts of leadership and, and, and authority to preach the gospel. And, and here's the thing, the world actually allows it because we see women in business all over the place. It's the church that is lagging so far behind. We're going to see something break even tonight. Amen. We're going to see something break even tonight. We're going to pray. And I feel like the Lord just wants to release deliverance in this room right now. Some of you, you got butterflies fluttering in your stomach right now because you know that what is about to happen is about to happen for you. You already know. You already sense the Lord resting on you that there is liberty coming to you tonight. There is a breakthrough coming to you tonight. Well, all we have to do is ask Holy Spirit to come. And all we got to do is be honest about our pain, about our suffering, about the shame we've lived under, and bring it right to Him. And if we'll bring it to Him, He'll take it and He will break every activity of the enemy over your life. He'll break every chain that's held you down. I want to tell you something. It's no longer the day that women are held down. This is the day that women are set free. Set free to love. Set free to give. Set free to serve. Set free to be who God's made you to be in the body. This is the hour. This is what God's doing right now. Tonight's for you. Tonight's for you. That day that she had that dream about the women coming out of the cave, we had power hitting us in our prayer room. We have a 24-hour prayer room just over here on Collins Hill Road. Power was hitting the prayer room, and we were ministering in the prayer room about women being set free into their callings from the subjugation of the religious spirit. We were ministering that while she's having the prophetic vision. And so when she shows up and all these women are getting prayed for and they're getting completely set free, she goes, this is what I was seeing just earlier today when I came. God wants to do that tonight. Like, oh, he, he wants to do it right now. Can we just worship him? Let's just close our eyes and lift our hands to him and let's just invite him because he's the only one that can take the sufferings the difficulties, the bondages. He can break them in an instant. He can take all the shame, all the pain, all the hurt, and He can deliver you in a moment. He's the one that can take my friend who's never preached a message and turn her into one of the most powerful preachers I know. This is what He does. So come, Holy Spirit, right now, I'm asking you, would you just... Fill this room with your glory. Lord, all over this room, as so many have been through difficulty, as so many have been subjugated, have so, as so many have experienced the bondage of, of living under the, the pain of misogynistic society and abuses and, and not being allowed to speak, so many have been muzzled by the church. And God, we've, 
We've called that out and repented of it multiple times in this place. And I even say it again tonight for my sisters. We repent, the church, we repent for muzzling your daughters. We repent, Father, for disqualifying them. We repent for doctrines of demons that have held them back where men have used these things to, to hold women down. We repent, God. We repent. And even tonight, I thank you, Jesus, that your dream, your desire is that women would fully function in every gifting and every calling that you've, that you've put on them, that you've put in them, that they would function in full liberty and full freedom. There'd no, be, no longer be subjugation, no longer be objectification in the church, that in the house of God, the women would be set free. So right now, right now, come Holy Spirit all across this room. Holy Spirit of God, come right now all across this room. Move in power all across this room. I'm asking you to rest on your daughters. Rest on your daughters right now. Holy Spirit, come, 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 come. Move all over this room. Release fire in this room. Fire of the Holy Spirit right now in this room. Break in with deliverance right now. Even right now. Come, Holy Spirit. 